Welcome to the podcast Leadership Forum, a conversation with leaders who serve the public good. My name is Trevor Brown, and I'm privileged to serve as the Dean of the John Glenn College of Public Affairs at The Ohio State University, where we aspire to fulfill a simple phrase that Senator John Glenn used to describe what we do, inspire citizenship and develop leadership. I also have the honor of serving as the host of this conversation series. So welcome to a thoughtful and reflective conversation about leadership. I'm joined today by the Honorable Betty Montgomery, who, um, and this is gonna sound pejorative, but it actually in the Glenn College is very positive, is a career politician. Um, we, we think of politicians in the fondest of sense here, given our namesake, Senator Glenn, and his service as an elected official. Um, and and Ms. Montgomery has exemplified herself first serving as a county prosecutor for many years in an elected role, then in 1994, uh, running for and succeeding in winning the uh, state race for state attorney general here in Ohio, uh, then some years later, running and succeeding as state auditor. Uh, so she's been in three uh, distinct and important elected roles here in Ohio, and now uh, runs a private law practice and consulting company. In addition, she partners uh, with another uh, good friend of the Glenn College, first uh, female speaker of the Ohio House, Joanne Davidson, uh, to serve as the chair of the Leadership Institute named after Speaker Davidson, the Joanne Davidson Leadership Institute, something I'm eager to talk about as well. Uh, the Honorable Betty Montgomery, thank you for joining me for a conversation today about service and leadership. Thanks, Trevor. I would just add uh, to your introduction that I spent, I was elected to the Ohio uh, Senate, the legislature, and served as a state senator for six years before I became attorney general. So it puts me in the executive and legislative branch. And uh, I... I'm glad you highlighted that because I want to I want to draw some distinctions between those two two kinds of roles. Um, and so let's let's actually start right there. Um, what what have been in your mind the primary differences, if there are, um, all of these roles I just mentioned and the one you added, you you were an elected official, but in the the three I mentioned, you are in let's call it an administrative role, and in the others you're in a representative role. What were the principal differences, if any, that you you found in serving as an elected official in those roles? Well, frankly, personally, I didn't. Uh, in terms of how I handled myself, I handled it, I, it, it. There was no difference. I mean, you're representing people, whether you're in the executive branch or the legislative branch, and uh, I think it's a responsibility of those who serve. Uh, in the public sector to listen and learn and to spend time talking to the people that you're trying to serve. Um, so there, in that regard, there wasn't much, uh, there was no difference uh, in terms of how I viewed it and how I handled it. No matter what you're doing, whatever position you are, if you're in the public sector, uh, in the public policy arena or implementing public policy or trying to create public policy, your role is to make certain you listen Mm -hmm. choose the best way you can to uh, solve the problem you're trying to solve. But always listen to the people that are impacted by it. You may not agree with them, but you need to understand the impact of your decision making. And everybody has a right to at least have their voice. And if you don't agree with them or the General Assembly doesn't agree with them, um, so be it. That's democracy. And then oftentimes that 
ugly word that people um, cast about uh, as a pejorative, you compromise. And frankly, Shelby Foote, the historian, uh, said that um, we're so right. Compromise is uh, is the lubricant of democracy. It's each of us have a right to an opinion. And you know what? We don't all agree. So we'll never get anything done unless we decide um, what's important. And uh, it means, frankly, sometimes you have a five-legged camel that you've created rather than a four-legged <laughs> one. But the camel still walks. And yep. uh, you might get 50% of what you want this time and then go back and try again, but it requires compromise. And then the only challenge for the public servant is when is compromise, compromise, as opposed to compromise being compromised. It's a very hard line. When, when do I compromise? Because this is what is necessary to get something done. When is it I cannot compromise because to do so would be being compromised? Well, so you, first off, thank you. That's like just a great introduction to about 10 things I want to talk about. And, and I should also say, I think of compromise as a very positive word. I, I agree with the, the statement that compromise is essential for the functioning of democracy. Um, so let, let's, let's unpack some of these things a little bit. So just, just take us back. So you've been in multiple roles where you earned the job through a process where some people were really, really excited about you being in that job. They voted for you and they gave time and resources and energy. Um, and then you had another group of people that didn't want you to be in the job. They wanted someone else to be in that job and they worked hard to get that other person elected. How, how do you just, just as a, as a leader, as a manager, as a person in that role, how do you walk that line of like, hey, a lot of people liked me in this role and some people didn't even want me to sit in the chair? Well, you know, I started out, Trevor, uh, when I ran for county prosecutor, though there were no women prosecutors in the state. Uh, there are 88 county prosecutors and there were none that other than I was running. And um, I remember sitting down because I ended up having a primary, which was no surprise. And um, I, 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 was, I didn't take that personally. I, I understood why people were worried whether or not I would be quote unquote tough enough or whether I had the skill set. That's what, that's what elections are about. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember sitting down with a lot within the primary because that's when you're talking to your own family, your, your party family and sitting down and saying to the folks, I understand you don't necessarily you're you're not going to support me and there are a lot of reasons why people don't support you a they may not like you b they may not like your policies c it's not got anything to do with you they have relationships with your opponent mm -hmm. yeah. family relationship business relationships um political relationships and so you have to understand that going in and and not and i guess being a trial attorney before i you know you understand what to take personally. And I used yep. to sit down I, and I always sat down and said, look, I know that you're not in my camp right now. All I would ask is if I do become the nominee, I would appreciate it if I could have your support. And please understand if I can't have your support and I'm elected, and I, I say this all the time, if even if I don't have your support and I am elected, I want you to know that my phone, uh, I, my door is open. Mm -hmm. I'm here to serve you. And I I hope through not my words, but my actions that I will earn your trust. 
my my opponents are not my enemies. They are my opponents. And in in a public sector, you are always going to have opponents. You but you are always going to be required to serve everyone, whether they are with you or not with you. What about the people that that you have to represent, to many of whom you've never met and you never will, um, but yet you're making decisions in these roles, but have tremendous implications for for the the lives of Ohioans. Do you think at all about you know, who voted for whom? Or is that really like, that's now, as you said, like that was the race. Now I'm in the role and my job is not so much to worry about the race, it's to worry about what am I tasked and asked to do in this role? Well, I, I know this sounds odd and particularly at this time uh, in, uh, in the political world that we're facing right now, but I was blessed to, when, when I ran outside of the county uh, as outside county prosecutor, and now I'm moving into representing um, far more people I don't know because there are other counties involved and more, my district is larger and they're not people I've served for years. Um, my, my state Senate district was a 50-50 district. I had um, a, a conservative, arch conservatives, and I had uh, a center city, Toledo, uh, not quite center city, but I had portions of Toledo, uh, urban area. Yeah. And because my district was 50, 50, I, I just didn't, I just, I, I just said, you know, I'm going to do the best job I can do. I'm going to talk yeah. to people. I'm going to try to do the best job. And if that doesn't win the day, it doesn't win the day. Now I realize that sounds like Pollyanna, but it has served me well. I just try to be honest and try to not worry about the politics of what my vote's going to be, because I'm going to have a body. I'm, everybody's going to, I mean, heaven forbid for people, people who are married, people who have loved ones, they don't agree with them 100 percent, but right. you still have a relationship. And that's what I was trying to do, develop a relationship. They may disagree with me on one thing, but they would understand who I am and that I'm trying to do the best I could do. So I'm going to ask you now an unfair question, but I feel okay asking it because you posed it earlier, which is how to make that decision between when to compromise and when to stick with a particular position or value. You frame that as one of the, the real challenges in this kind of job. So how, how did you, how did you navigate those challenging circumstances where, how did you decide when to compromise and when to stick with a, a, a differential position from, from your you know, partners or combatants or however he thought of it. Yeah. Well, you know, particularly in the public policy arena, I mean, first of all, it's pretty clear. If you come into your, and I, I say this to everybody, uh, oftentimes when I'm doing these kind of uh, commentaries or talking, because in the Leadership Institute that I chair, look, you come into this role, you have, I hope, a load, you have, a set of values and where the public sector, where, where any of us go afoul uh, in, the, in the elected world, it becomes very apparent because you're in the public sector and people see you and the newspapers report on you, televisions report on you. But if you have a set of values about what's right and wrong, uh, what's honest and not, uh, what's fair and what's not, and you constantly measure yourself against that, it becomes, um, it's easy to call, uh, it's easy to call uh, the foul balls, like, oh, yeah. that is not fair. That is, that is not fair. That is not, 
I cannot go there. Uh, or this policy, I know I've lived this policy when I did um, criminal, uh, when I was doing criminal legislation or uh, alcohol related legislation or things like that. I had lived that world. I knew whether people agreed with me or not. Um, I, I, I guess could, there were some places I would not be able to go. So that, that helps us understand the areas where you chose not to compromise. What, yeah. what pulls you towards compromise? Well, it's it's just it's practicality in many ways. When you're in the legislature, you're counting votes and you're also playing the long game. If you know you're not going to get what you need, what you believe needs to be done. Um, sometimes what happens is you can compromise to get you maybe 60 percent of where you want to go. And at the same time, de deal uh, with those who have uh, differing opinions. Uh, adding their uh, compromising in areas they want you to compromise so that when you go for the other 40%, you hopefully have some of those people on your side to get back. Uh, because if it's really important, you're not going to give up. You're going to go back, um, try it another way. Um, and hopefully you'll, you'll have demonstrated an openness to others' ideas and to be able to get to your ultimate mission and understand that you're never going to get 100% of what you want because you're not always 100% right. I look at the uh, living will legislation. I think I did 19 full redrafts of that bill because at the time, we, uh, for 25 years, they tried to get living will legislation and they couldn't get it done. And I introduced it and I spent uh, months talking to people who were opposed because they were afraid that uh, we were going to pull the plug on old people uh, with the, it was all the fears of sure the parade of imaginary horribles that you doubt in these kind of cases because it was sort of plowing new ground and it was plowing new ground so uh, i did 19 full redrafts on that i listened to everybody's everybody if they had complaints if they wanted to add an amendment I, i'd say to them look uh, if it was a good amendment, I don't care at the end of the day, if you're not going to vote for the bill, I'm still going to put the amendment in because it makes the bill better. Unlike a lot of folks, I, I, I believed, you know, you make the bill better, you listen to and treat them with fairness. And uh, not that you're a pushover, because <laughs> there are times when you just have to say no. It's just that you want to make the times when you have to say hell no, few and <laughs> far between. <laughs> So how, how did this, you've shared just now, thank you, insights into your, your sort of legislative approach to compromise. And then later you served as attorney general and auditor. Did, were there lessons that you drew from how you approached compromise um, in that legislative role that you then directly applied in, in those other executive roles? Yes, and by the way, you learn to compromise as a county prosecutor because sometimes mm -hmm. the evidence doesn't get you where you need to go, so you have to take a lesser included offense. You have to take a plea bargain or, yeah. or, or public policy demands that you go one place as opposed to another or, for example, uh, not re-victimizing the victim if it's a child um, means that while you think this uh, defendant deserves to be in prison for 20 years, if you can get them in prison for 10 years and you don't have to put the child victim on and re-traumatize the child victim, better to have 10 years in your hand yeah. without any appeals than whatever. So as, as, a, 
as you moved into the statewide offices, all the time you're you're dealing with, first of all, you're always dealing with public policy, either enforcing it or suggesting new public policy. And then you're also dealing with a lot of litigation. And when you're in the middle of litigation, you're, you're always having to make decisions on uh, do we settle this case for X amount of dollars and why a number, why uh, changes in behavior? Or do we, uh, we, we go for the, uh, the whole ball wax and, and roll our dice? So now that I've mixed every kind of metaphor you could think of. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, you know, you're, always, uh, you're always sort of weighing uh, you know, what is best to get you as close to your mission uh, as possible. So let's pivot now, and and uh, you you talked uh, you made a I made mention at the beginning, and you just made mention a moment ago about the Joanne Davidson Leadership Institute. So tell tell us a little bit about the institute, its its mission, its programs, and fundamentally, why did Speaker Davidson spend time and energy to create this particular entity? Joanne is a rare individual. She is. Uh, quite properly uh, put on a pedestal by both, uh, by people who know her and who have served with her. And she had, uh, over the course of a number of years, uh, understand she was, when I, when I was elected county prosecutor, uh, and I looked around for role models, I couldn't find, uh, and I was a Republican, and by the way, I want to make sure you understand and your listeners understand, I'm a governing Republican. I believe in treating people properly civilly and I don't think it's a bad thing to walk across the aisle and do things yeah. in a bipartisan manner. Yep. So that being said, um, when I looked around, the only only elected woman I could talk I, I could even look to was Joanne Davidson, who was then uh, on city council, and uh, Dorothy Teeter, who at that point I think uh, I don't know if she was on school board or she was on city council or she might have been, I don't know if she was county commissioner. I know at some point she was county commissioner. So Joanne, over the years that she was in politics early on, uh, was always the person who was the worker bee. And, and then she would put together groups of women to try to help them get out of the role of, of Mary and Martha and get into the role of actually being, um, you know, other, rather than being just carrying the basket, uh, being the one who actually dictated where you were going with that basket. And she, so she created it because she wanted women to realize that they have a role to play and that they have capacities and that they too often allow themselves put themselves in a box or uh, allow others to put them in boxes. And she desperately felt and desperately feels that there are more, more women have to be in the public arena uh, to, uh, to advantage uh, the men with information and experience uh, that they may or may not uh, have or certainly haven't experienced themselves. So she started it. We have had um, 23 classes. We're almost almost 500 uh, uh, graduates. It'll, by by this spring, it'll be uh, 475 or something like that. And our our goal is uh, to show them paths that they can take. We at the end of the role, at the end of the day, what we want them to do is find their voice, 
and be a leader, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your schools, and not be afraid to also take the information, take that leadership and that experience and step into the public arena, you know, run for run for office locally or district wide or statewide. And that's our mission. Well, you you all do virtuous work. I've worked with, had the pleasure of working with Speaker Davidson and know everything you say about her. I don't know her nearly as well as you do. And it's very apparent she is a special person, as are you. As we pull this this conversation towards its towards its end, what what about once you're in the role? So you've you've navigated uh, the challenges of the election. You were the you were twice the first um, as attorney general and and as auditor. What what were some of the challenges you faced as 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 both a woman and the first woman in that role in those roles? And how did you overcome those? You know, I think. Trevor, by that point, um, it was it was an advantage to have been a trial attorney and been a county prosecutor because at that point, uh, when you're in the courtroom, the facts have to speak for themselves, and your yeah. job is to put the facts together and to persuade. And so you learn um, through trial and error. And I certainly can't tell you that I didn't make as many errors as I made positive. Uh, advancements. You learn how to, to deal with uh, controversy, hopefully in a civil way. And I can't tell you, I always did it that way either myself, uh, particularly in, in heated uh, trials. Uh, but but I, I, I generally learned that, uh, so by the time I was a state attorney general, I wasn't, I was feeling I, I just could be who I was and yeah. take it or leave it. I'm just going to be who I am. And um, occasionally you get the, you know, you know, you get some, some uh, condescending, uh, ignorant uh, Luddite and uh, <laughs> you'd have to deal with them. But, but generally speaking, I, 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 I was treated, uh, I was treated well, I think I tried to approach people civilly and they, I was treated well. I always figured that I always had, I, I guess my mantra was from the beginning is, I am going to be overprepared. I'm going in unprepared, overprepared. I'm not going to be in a situation where I'm going to be underprepared. Or mm -hmm. I'm, So that if you have a grasp of the facts, uh, statistics, um, the law, um, you've done your homework, so often that just speaks so much more loudly um, and you win, uh, you win the day that way. I, I just not to, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, but I, I also think I heard towards the beginning that it's okay to make some mistakes and stumble. Um, <laughs> thinking, thinking back to what you were saying about as women are contemplating running for office, it's almost as if they feel like they have to have everything right before they, that before they run. I could also imagine that being a mindset in like, oh, I have to get everything right in this job, but you can't. You're going to make no. some mistakes and that's okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have to be honest. There are many times when I still beat myself on what did it, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? Or why, why did I handle it this way? I, um, I, uh, and that's not a good thing. You know, you, you can't keep living your life in the rearview mirror. You yeah. have to say, all right, I made a mistake. What did I learn from it? Uh, try not to make that mistake again. You'll make another one, but don't make that one. 
um, to try to forgive yourself uh, because you're not perfect. But you're right. Uh, I think we tend to think um, it has to be um, it has to be the picture has to be complete painted the, the the paint dry and in fact what it is is always a painting in progress it's always there's always something you can learn